Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to The Art of Waging War from Within. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and tonight is Tuesday, November 7th in the year 2023. There's a lot of things happening across the globe, obviously, but one of the most obvious things everyone should be seeing is the depletion of resources, personnel, and a capability within the nation's borders. This is a major threat that we're seeing here, this slowly winding us down to such a level that the idea would be that we are no match for any opposing force and that we literally can't sustain our own capability as a nation and then must be turned over or handed over, lock, stock, and barrel, to something like the United Nations. This is a very real issue, especially in the light of the emerging new conflict in the Middle East, which is obviously controlled by the global elites in an attempt to bring innocent lives, to fight each other, to kill each other, and to spill innocent blood as some form of blood sacrifice to roll in the new world order. This is the darkness of the people that run our governments, that don't care, who've been bought out, who are controlled, who have long ago given up their freedom for pleasures like being pedophiles and raping children, having it filmed, and then having it used against them because they don't have the will to fight against it. This is real. And this is who runs our nation. They are just criminal pedophile elites that want nothing more than to gain what they can for themselves and leave we the people at the end, at the curb. So this is what we have to know we're fighting against. We have to know our enemy, and we have to know how to tear it down and overcome. Patriots, before we get going tonight, one thing that is very real in this fight for sure is the use of food as a weapon system. And that's not even something to think twice about. These people are evil. They will use whatever they can to break you and bring you to your knees. And they are hoping very clearly that they can do that to force you deeper into their compliance structures, which include their nasty food that comes in their supply chain logistics, the new level of being lab-grown meats and bugs. To To get you there, there's a variety of threats that we face climate. We also face the disasters of, of war and, and domestic terrorism. All these things we have to be prepared for. Part of being prepared is to have a solid food plan. And to do that, you should need to have a, products that come from the best company in the country. That's My Patriot Supply. Head on over to Bards Nation's website, which is preparewithbards.com. Preparewithbards.com. There you'll find all you need in the three-month emergency food kits you need to get one for every member of your family. 2,000 calories a day, a variety of meal mixes, super healthy, intended to keep you focused in during stressful times, well-engineered, and have a shelf life of about 25 years. So head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. Take advantage of the three-month emergency food kits. Pick that up today. They are ready to ship need to get them in your holding, have them part of your emergency food plan. It's critical and it's necessary, and it's what we need to be doing, every single one of us. So again, preparewithbards.com for your three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. 
Well, Pages, let's take a look at a couple of things around the news, which I think is pretty important. I mean, right off the top, we've got a, an issue of the Coast Guard, which has a labor shortage that's hit the Coast Guard, forcing reduction in active fleet off of cutters. All of this is coming out of two things. One is the injection, which has been mandated in the military, which is by design so that the recruitment falls. And then the follow-on of that is as recruitment falls to critical and national critical levels, they can roll out a draft. And in doing the draft, they can target the illegals. Or even better, they don't even need a draft. They just need to offer the illegals an opportunity to fast-track into citizenship by enrolling in the service. That will include the Coast Guard, which falls under DHS. This is how you change a country from within. You're taking all these people that don't have any association with the United States. They only know tyranny from where they come. They have no anchoring in a country that was built on principles of a republic with documents like the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the the Bill of Rights. They've come here in desperation, and many of them herded here or recruited here, even worse, by three-letter agencies. And so now the fast track on this is to start depleting our military ranks to such a degree that they can declare it a national emergency and then roll in the replacements, which are not even Americans. Fast track them into citizenship, and then that military becomes our defensive structure, supposedly, quote-unquote, to defend us in the world, when in fact it becomes one of the most lethal agents to use on American public. This isn't fear-mongering. This is the way that the globalists work, is to destroy us from within. The problem is our military leadership is so bankrupt right now that the only way we can move forward is to start considering how we create a parallel government, which we're going to have to do either way in order to survive this. This is not a, this is not a joke. We're in a critical, critical crisis. But to keep your eyes away from that and these other things, they need, to have other, they need to have constant crises that you do seem to care about, even though they really mean nothing in the end. Obviously, the war in the Middle East is a big deal, but its traction has not gone well. Israel is not gaining popularity in the news, and so we need something else. How about a shutdown for the government as the House prepares to pass another stopgap bill? Or how about the trial of President Trump? Entertaining, volatile indeed. That's one of the best soap operas on the web. But it keeps your eyes away from the substantive things that are really tearing this country apart, and that's really important to understand. Now, according to what we're getting in the news, if we're to believe headlines at all, We have Israeli troops fighting in the heart of Gaza City, and the Hamas leader is surrounded in a bunker. I always love reading these things because Hamas, at this point in time, is being funded by three-letter agencies, and it's literally the the Ouroboros with the dragon with its tail in its mouth, both ends to the middle. Hamas kills Palestinians because it's good for promoting hatred against Israel. Israel kills Palestinians because they want the land, and Hamas exploits that. I mean, they're... Hamas puts their bunkers in the bottom of a hospital. Israeli, Israel bombs the hospital. We can start seeing a picture here, right? And that is that they're trying to get the Palestinians off that land at any cost. All of this is part of this game of creating perpetual war, perpetual crisis, and keeping people hating each other with blood rifts that last generations. Or, or maybe it's just to gin people up with a comment like this one. Nuke Gaza was a comment from an Israeli Minister Reyes, I'm sorry, the Israeli minister, and it literally like had people going, what are you, are you talking about? This is, again, provocation by words to keep people in fear and constantly on the edge of wondering what's going to happen again. This whole thing is a big psyop and mental mind screw is what it is. 
and they're constantly turning these things up to keep people off balance, ultimately what happens is you wear people down enough, they'll comply to anything. And that is part of the bigger plan, you have to understand, of what they're trying to do. But there's also a lot of other things undercover they don't want you to see. That's why these provocative issues keep going on. Here's one. It's coming out of Australia. And this is the cardiac issues that are happening now across the country. Cardiac arrests are way up. We know why. It's the COVID con. It's the shot. It's the death shot that's causing this. But let's not call it that. Let's get to the core of it, what really matters. Like, we need to give them CPR. I'm not kidding. Take a listen to this. Cardiac arrest incidents are at the highest ever recorded in Victoria, prompting health officials to launch a critical awareness campaign. We are now joined by Ambulance Victoria paramedics Bethany Burkett and Caitlin Bale. Uh, good afternoon to you, ladies. Caitlin, last year, paramedics responded to more than 7,000 cardiac arrest patients. How concerning are these statistics? Yeah, look, these uh, numbers are really concerning. Um, last year in Victoria, the cardiac arrest rates increased by 6%. Um, and in our state alone, each day, um, about 20 people have a cardiac arrest. Unfortunately, only about two of those survive. Now, you both recently helped to save an eight-year-old who went into cardiac arrest. Her mum actually began CPR before first responders arrived. Bethany, is this just a perfect example um, of why CPR training is so important? Yeah, absolutely. This is the perfect example. Um, our little patient's mum did an amazing job. Um, she had recently done her CPR training um, at her workplace. So she was able to recognise um, the signs of a cardiac arrest um, and recognise what her daughter needed and was able to start that CPR straight away while she was waiting for us to come. Um, it's absolutely um, pertinent in the chain of survival um, for her daughter and for anyone in cardiac arrest to start that early CPR. Um, and she did an amazing job. Um, and she's a big part of the reason why this little girl is here with us today. And just like that, like magic, cardiac arrest came out of nowhere. We know what it is. And it is these shots. But we can't say that. We don't want to get to the source of it. We just want to talk about how to put a Band-Aid on it. And what's that? You need to give them CPR. CPR for cardiac arrest. Okay. I agree. Good technique to know. Good thing to, to be able to do. But we're not getting to the core issue, which we all know what it is. By the way, if you didn't miss, if you missed that number, she said, it's kind of important. 20 a day and only two survive. That's 540 people a month that are dropping dead because of this magical cardiac arrest problem that just came out of nowhere. These are the crimes that are starting to surface. And when you have crimes that are starting to surface, you need to create distractions like wars. And that's what they're ramping up to do in the Middle East, bringing countries and nations together to create a massive conflict so that in the midst of the bloodiest war of all that they could possibly create, which would be basically be World War III, they can wipe all this mess under the rug and do a great reset so people don't know, they forget, and all they want is the desperate need to get back to normal. There will be no more normal, but they will give you something new, and it's called a prison state, and that's coming. Patriots, real quickly, one thing we do have to face as well is the collapse of the economy and the shifting to a CBDC. This is part of a global effort now to put everybody under a slave system where every bit of your currency is run and controlled by a digital system known as a digital currency known as the CBDC. It is a programmable currency, and it will affect everybody. Now, here's the deal. Everyone has retirement accounts, and what you don't want to do is get your retirement accounts 
tied in with this money. You want to have it so it's accessible and it's not able to be handled or controlled by this digital currency. How do you do that? Well, you need to get it into a precious metals-backed IRA. To do that, text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. You'll get an info packet, study up on it, read, and then you call the number with that packet. It'll take you to Birch Gold. Birch Gold will give you a hand. They've been around with us for over a year. Five-star ratings across the board. They're a fantastic company, and they'll be able to guide you into moving your IRA or 401k into a precious metals-backed IRA. Really important. And it's important, too, now because it gives you a tangible asset, tangible currency asset tied to your 401k investments, meaning that that's what it's in. It's rooted in that. Otherwise, it's just rooted in paper, and who knows what that'll look like in a few months. So, again, text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. Get your free info packet today. Give them a call. It's great. Birch Gold. Awesome. All right, well, Patriots, one of the things we need to start doing is really looking at what's going on behind all of this. Now, we, we have a pretty good perspective, and I want to take you through the some of the background of this so that we can set the conditions on where this is going. But one of the things that's interesting is there was a study done by Ford, who is the CEO of Ford Motor Company. And I think it'll shock you what he discovered. And this goes quite a ways back. Take a listen. Henry Ford, founder of the Ford Motor Company, assembled a staff of experts to research the origin of European Jews who had been entering America in large numbers since the 1880s. Ford's research cost him several millions of dollars, and in 1923, he published the results in a four-volume work titled The International Jew. It was Henry Ford's conclusion that the Jews were not descendants of the biblical Israelites. Ford further proved that these Jews, committing all sorts of crimes while under the cover of being called chosen people of the Bible, were rapidly taking economic and political control of America. Henry Ford also claimed that the Jews had secretly gained control of most Protestant seminaries and Christian book publishing houses and had been able to remove almost all criticism of Jews from Christian literature. In summing up his findings, Henry Ford stated, the Jews are not the chosen people, though practically the entire church has succumbed to the propaganda which declares them to be so. Ford's book caused a major uproar for a few years, but soon disappeared from colleges, universities, and public libraries and became unobtainable at any price. Isn't that something just like that? We have the migration of people from Europe, which is, you know, there's a parallel here, which is worth noting. We had another migration after World War II and was called Operation Paperclip. And those are the people of the Nazi regime that came over here. Yeah, those same people that started running eugenics programs, started running MTK Ultra programs, same people that were responsible for the rise of the love revolution in the 60s. Yeah, those. All of that was happening. And my guess is if you ran the bloodlines, you're probably going to find something very similar to the Ford report. I bet you're going to find that these most of these people in one way or another were proclaiming themselves to be Jew. And this is distinctly different because they're not. This is fake. And the problem with this is that they were their bloodlines don't match up. I and mean, nobody likes to talk about this because immediately if you say this, you become an anti-Semite. You can't speak out to what we're talking about here in the bloodlines that we're dealing with. We are not dealing with bloodlines of the chosen people of God. And by the way, God does not give us a two-tier system. It's one body under Christ. But we are dealing with some people that hijacked a religion, which takes us back to the Ashkenazi Jews and and the the red Jews, or also the Khazarian Mafia. All of that's centered where? In Ukraine, just so you know. 
And just to give you another little glimpse, because this war that's being fought and being engineered right now is coming from some very interesting people who have a tendency of doing some very ugly things, like giving home and sanctuary to pedophiles. A CBS News investigation has uncovered a loophole that allows accused and convicted American pedophiles to escape justice by moving to Israel. So Ian Lee has been following this for more than a year, and he traveled to Israel for this investigation. He worked with a group that tracks people accused of sex crimes, which estimates dozens of Americans have used this loophole. So, you know, he's six foot two. We are on a stakeout looking for this week. man. Jimmy Julius Caro, 48 years old and wanted on charges of sexually assaulting a nine-year-old girl in Oregon back in 2000 and a five-year-old girl in Israel in 2001. He's considered dangerous. But these photos are a few years old, so we don't know if he'll look the same. He remains elusive. Previous attempts to capture him have failed. Obviously, the fear that he would somehow figure out that anyone's looking for him and Bolt. He just called his number. Shauna Aronson got a tip that Caro's expected at this clinic near Tel Aviv. Who's going to call the She's with JCW, Jewish Community Watch, an organization that hunts down accused pedophiles who flee to Israel from the U.S., exploiting a process called Law of Return, whereby any Jewish person can move to Israel and automatically gain citizenship. The ease with which pedophiles seem able to use this law as an escape route haunts victims like Mendy Hawk, who says he was abused from age eight by a teacher at an Orthodox Jewish school in Los Angeles. So your classroom is right here. How does it feel being back? Um, I was very anxious and, you know, stressed coming back here. A lot of memories coming through my mind. Memories of his alleged abuser, Mordechai Yomtov, who taught him Hebrew studies when he was just eight years old. So in the beginning, he would just rub me, like, outside of my pants and then I would say uh, about three to four months later he started going again. Reaching down your pants? Yeah, it's huh? reaching down. Why did you feel like you couldn't tell anyone? Um, I was scared. I was ashamed. I mean, I just didn't know what people would think of me of the whole situation. Yomtov pled guilty in 2002 to sexually abusing and committing lewd acts against three other boys. He served jail time, but when he was released, he violated his probation and, according to JCW, fled to Israel with help from individuals within the Orthodox Jewish community. The other person in this video is Mayor Seewald, the founder of Jewish Community Watch. He tells CBS News Yom Tov's case isn't uncommon in the Orthodox community. The same thing that's going on in the Catholic Church right now around the world, the exact same thing happens in our community. The rabbis say, it's uh, you know what, he promised he's going to go for therapy, he's never going to do it again. Boom, he's in another community. A few years later, he's at the same thing, and we hear more allegations that the person continued to abuse children. And often, those abusers end up in Israel. Rabbi Yehuda Oppenheimer says he unwittingly helped Cairo escape. There was nothing that raised any red flags up to the point where he was moving to Israel. Well, I wish I could say that, but unfortunately I can't say that. So he had violated his parole and, and now they were looking for him. He said that there was something in the past that had happened when he was young, but uh, nothing had ever happened since. I've changed and I'm a different person now, and, but you got to help me. I felt that I could trust him. So I wrote him a letter, and uh, he bought a ticket, and uh, he left. Caro is accused of abusing more children when he got to Israel. What was that like for you when you found that out? I was, I was a punch to the gut. It was, it was, it was, 
very painful. Rabbi Oppenheimer says the reason he came forward is to shine a light on the process of accused pedophiles fleeing, to help ensure it doesn't happen again. Back at the stakeout, an ambulance pulls up and a man steps out. It's Caro. That was definitely, definitely him. Oh my God, okay. The police are called and eventually arrive. His days on the run are over as he's led away. There's relief as police escort him to their car. This marks the end to a months-long manhunt. Oh, oh my gosh! Oh, I got cold, <laughs> Can I give you a hug? <laughs> I have something I need to tell you. Yeah. Okay. We found him, and he was just arrested. What? What? He was just arrested. Wow, oh my gosh. Amuna, not her real name, is the person on the other end of the line. She was a little girl when Caro entered her life. I was five year, four or five years old. Uh, my mother was on bed rest. My father's a rabbi, so he wasn't really home. Uh, he used to come to our house. We used to play games, and then it became sexual. I'm going to give you a cookie because you do it so nicely. It's all about the cookie. It's all about lying and... It's all about being so evil to a little child. He also threatened me he would kill my parents, he would choke me, he would hold me, he would kidnap me. How did that affect you? A lot! <laughs> yeah. It affected my whole life. My whole life is around this sexual abuse and rape. Yeah. Amuna turned to therapy yeah. and art to help deal so, with the trauma. This is in my bedroom and my inspiration. She paints and writes poetry, but she's still angry that it was allowed to happen in the first place. What are your thoughts on him being able to come to Israel and flee the United States? It brings up a lot of anger and a lot of frustration towards the Israeli system. Shauna says the failure begins in the U.S. Why would someone want to help one of these pedophiles escape. Oftentimes there's some sort of community incentive. Either, either somebody owes them a favor or someone in the community, let's say an institution, has covered up for them in the past and they know that if this goes to court, there's a lot of civil liability coming down the line, you know, and, and it's going to cost a lot of money to a lot of people and there's nobody wants to deal with that. Shauna accuses the Israeli police of not prioritizing accused pedophiles on the run. Why do you have to be the ones that do this? Because nobody else is. That's really, I don't have any better answer than that. And if you guys weren't doing it? Then nobody would do it. And then nobody would do it. This is really a sick statement overall on so many levels. Because what we're dealing with is this concept of churches like now running around and rallying around Israel. And I've said this all along. I will not support the Israeli government. And in fact, there's so much corruption even in the people there. When you start housing, I'm not saying these people aren't good. They're doing great work trying to find them. But the authorities and everything else, we have two countries, one in the same, by the way. Our country is full and run by pedivores and pedo uh, pedophiles. And that's who's engineering so much of this. These are the same people that came over from Europe. These are the same people that have occupied the governments around the world. And when I say over from Europe, the specifics to the Ford report, which was the looking at who the European Jews were, all of this is at the core of this. At the root is at the pursuit of pillaging children. And this is literally on a global scale, the singular thing that drives everything. And they do all this because they build around a sense of power. And they build this around a sense of their cult rituals. 
and it opens up the portals for demonic. And so we start to work ourselves in, and they work ourselves in as a framework of the global elite into a place where you're dealing with demonic rituals to take power away from people, to, to destroy and pillage the children, to take power from them and push it into the world. It's real. And it's, it's an issue right now that as we sit unaware and unwilling to stand and take a position hard against this, they still have power. Now, I get this all the time because when I talk about this, I frequently get the comment that, well, God has more power. Yes, he does, If and there's two, two answers to that. He does always in the end. I don't know where we sit in that, but I know he does. And the second part is what's our responsibility? If we use his power, this stuff goes away, but, and very quickly, but we don't, and that's the problem. I mean, take, a, take a consideration to all that, that, that has filtered down here. And from the ideas of the COVID con, which we've been suffering through, to the war in Ukraine, to the endless dumping of, of money, to these constant rollouts of trying to put in 5G and trying to force everybody into the city structure and trying to get everybody to eat bugs and all these other things. This is the global reset we're going through. And they're looking to have a major war to throw people into a non-choice scenario. They use their occult rituals to gain power. And as long as we sit passively by or worse, participate in them, then we are contributing to the problem and we're contributing to their victory. This is a piece, it's got, a, it's got an interesting piece about Anton LaVey in the middle, but I want you to listen to the details about the occult piece in here. And this is about cult rituals. You know the big one that's going on right now. All these stadium shows right now mm -hmm. are satanic rituals. And, because this is interesting, because you'd have to speak on this, yeah. that Taylor Swift is the daughter of Anton LaVey. Do you know the mother? I don't know the mother. I don't know Anton Look up LaVey. Anton LaVey was basically the head of... Church of Saint... Uh, yeah. Uh, but his yeah, which... his chick is a pretty much a carbon copy. Taylor, Taylor Swift's like the more beautiful version of his chick. Wow. But the ritual thing is pretty fascinating. They do a conjuring ceremony. The deepest conspiracy is that the energy, if you believe in energy, which I do, the people are helping fulfill it. I think there is something inherently spiritual about concerts. Yes. I think when you've got thousands upon thousands of people yes. pouring their energy to one person, yes. I think it. I think it is a spiritual experience. And this is what I'm getting at. Is it, It's not that the occult has more power than God. It's that the occult we participate in and give them more power than they should ever have. And this is the problem people just aren't grasping. It's nice to sit on the side and say, well, we've got God. God wins. But when we're participating in their rituals and their participation, we're giving them power. And we're just deflete, they're feeding ourselves for no reason. It's actually kind of ridiculous when you get it at the end. Now, this whole war is on two planes, essentially, spiritual and physical. And the center point to that are children, because children give them the power when they rape them, when they abuse them. They are trying to take away that innocence power that God gives them when they come into this world. It gives them the ritual rights of power over people. And I guess, you know, I, I say often is when you start looking at this global network, they're all centered on the same. These people are pedivores and pedophiles, and they're running the world. They're the same ones that engineered the COVID con. They're the same ones that are running, according to the Vatican, 8 million children globally a year. They're the same ones that are engineering food crises, trying to get people to eat bugs and engineered beef. Why? Because everybody in the world is, a, is chattel to them. 
And the children are the prize, and that's how it feeds their power elite. So when we say that there's no power in rituals or there's no power in the occult and God has more power, look around the world and answer the question, who is running the world? That's the bigger issue here. And they aren't Christian. They aren't God-fearing, Jesus-loving people, I hate to tell you. They're anything but. So if they are running the world and the God-fearing, Jesus-loving people are in the pews, metaphorically speaking, I think we've got a problem. Just saying. Take a listen to this report from Portland, Oregon. This fight is very real. It's very dimensional. A little background on this. This piece on the video, if you've seen it, it, it is in Chinatown, right on the edge of Chinatown in Portland. It's a homeless person that's going to talk to you about what they hear at night. I did a piece in 2005. I lived on the streets at night for about a month. And it was a photographic photo essay piece I did called When We Sleep. And it was looking at the homeless in Portland of how they sleep, what goes on at night. And let me tell you, there's some crazy stuff that happens at night and we don't ever pay attention to. And that's really when the demonic comes out. Portland is a hotbed for occult activity. I've spent a lot of time there. I got into the underground culture to document it. It is dark. It's as dark as it gets. They conjure demons. They conjure all of this. So when you look at a cities across the country and you're taking a look at the rancer, you're also looking at strong spiritual demonic energy. And it's going to take a strong faith-centered Christian body to drive it out. But that's Portland says just a microcosm of what we're seeing across the globe. Remember, these people feed off of tear, off of war, off of pain, off of depression. That's all them. And if we don't lean out of it and reach to God, then they're just continued to fuel them. So take a listen to this report. It's pretty interesting. Weird, but it's scary. It's just scary. I spent a night down here one night with me and my husband. We got stuck with the we're going to the plane here. And um just like hearing this, the screams, the screeches and shrills, they weren't just like human screams. They were like guttural, like demonic. And I don't know why people don't see it, but I know it's real on my heart. I know it's real. I mean, there's just no, people don't bend that way. The way like, you can't contort yourself in this weird, and then stay like that for, what the hell is that? You couldn't do it sober, and you couldn't do it normal. Like, it's just demonic, man. It just is. People's limbs are rotting off them everywhere. Nobody cares. They don't care. And that's not. That's not just mental illness. I mean, that goes way beyond it. I walk around with bus, drip maggots, and they just don't care. They don't care. It smells like death. Sometimes you walk on this block and it smells like death. Several people lose their limbs and they just don't care. What you're describing is hell. Literal hell. I, what is a zombie? Corpse that is animated, right? Rotting, rotted flesh, corpse. I mean, damn. I don't know how else to look at it. That's not demonic. Like, what is it? Wow. Yeah, it's demonic, all right. It's demonic because all of this fight is happening in two dimensions: the physical, which is the easy one to manipulate, because people follow that and they don't pay attention to the spiritual. But the spiritual leads us to the darker part and the reality of the underbelly of the physical. Literally, as the title said tonight, waging war from within. The war from within is two-dimensional. We have the infiltration. 
but they get the infiltration back by the rituals of death that bring in the demonic. And this war is real, and it's all coming to a head. They're trying to manifest now and bring about the ultimate end of humanity, to destroy it in such a way that it will not get back up, to break it in such a way that when it comes back up, it will beg for something better and greater. They need to manifest and bring about something so horrific that what you just heard about in Portland of the demonic becomes the normal for everybody. This is their vision. And this vision was originally laid out in the Pike letter. This is the Reese Report, and he does a great job of covering it. Take a listen. The infamous Albert Pike letter to Mazzini, known as the Illuminati plan for three world wars, was allegedly written by Albert Pike in 1871. The letter outlines a plan to foment three world wars in an attempt to take over the world. It is claimed that the letter was on display in the British Museum Library until 1977, but the British Museum denies this claim. Some suggest that the use of the word Nazism in 1871 proves that the letter is a fraud, and others say the same about Zionism, but Zionism existed back then. Zionism was made official in the late 1800s as a non-religious nationalist movement arguing that the Bible was proof that Jews had a lawful claim to the land of Palestine, an area that was currently inhabited by a population that has lived there relatively peacefully for centuries. Around the alleged writing of this Albert Pike letter, Jews began immigrating to Palestine with the intention of someday creating a state of Israel which did not happen until 1948, after World War II and the creation of the United Nations. Albert Pike joined the Fraternal Independent Order of Oddfellows in 1840. By 1859, he was elected Sovereign Grand Commander of the Scottish Rite's Southern Jurisdiction and remained Sovereign Grand Commander for the rest of his life. He was definitely aware of Zionism, and if this Illuminati plan is true, then his use of the word Nazi is plausible. Either way, the letter is worth a read, and the closer we get to the end game, the more accurate this letter appears to be. The Illuminati plan for three world wars. The first world war must be brought about in order to overthrow the czars in Russia and make that country a fortress of atheistic communism. The divergences caused by agents of the Illuminati between the British and Germanic empires will be used to foment this war. After the war, communism will be used to destroy other governments and weaken the religions. The Second World War must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences between the fascists and the political Zionists. This war must be brought about so that Nazism is destroyed and political Zionism is strong enough to institute a sovereign state of Israel in Palestine. During the Second World War, international communism must become strong enough to balance Christendom, which would be restrained and held in check until the time when we would need it for the final social cataclysm. The Third World War must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences caused by the agents of the Illuminati between the political Zionists and the leaders of Islam. The war must be conducted in such a way that Islam and political Zionism mutually destroy each other. Meanwhile, the other nations 
once more divided on this issue, will be constrained to fight to the point of complete physical, moral, spiritual, and economic exhaustion. We shall unleash the nihilists and the atheists, and we shall provoke a formidable social cataclysm which in all its horror will show clearly to the nations the effect of absolute atheism, origin of savagery, and of the most bloody turmoil. Then everywhere, the citizens, obliged to defend themselves against the world minority of revolutionaries, will exterminate those destroyers of civilization. And the multitude, disillusioned with Christianity, whose deistic spirits will from that moment be without compass or direction, anxious for an ideal, but without knowing where to render its adoration, will receive the true light through the universal manifestation of the pure doctrine of Lucifer, brought finally out in the public view. This manifestation will result from the general reactionary movement which will follow the destruction of Christianity and atheism, both conquered and exterminated at the same time. Whoever wrote this letter had the vision to see where this is all going. By manipulating our beliefs and emotions, mankind has been herded into these wars like cattle to the slaughter. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Like cattle to the slaughter. This is literally where we're going right now if we're not careful. And they're setting us up to be a forever war until things are so broken down. We've seen the depletion of our resources of our military internally. Some of the resources that have been depleted won't even be able to be restored for almost 20 years. We have influx of fighting age males. As Congress runs around and worries about budgets that are going to not be paid and the government's going to shut down, nobody's sealing up the border. That means that everybody in, in Congress, in the Senate, in the House, in the Senate, in, in the executive branch is complicit in the invasion of the United States and setting up for an infiltration and destruction of a war from within. Hamas now has come out to be in almost every major city in the United States with warnings coming out. All they're doing is setting the stage so they have plausible deniability. We warned you. They came across. We try to tell you. This is sort of thing. They were all complicit in doing this. And so the idea is ultimately if you use Hamas, which Hamas is just part of the other global intelligence agencies run ultimately by the Black Pope, Mossad, and Illuminati, all these fundings which come out of central banking and other places, they're just a face that they want you to believe is purely Muslim and Muslim that hate Christians. And that's, that'll be their way to provoke it. And you'll, they're trying to foment a war that will be literally Christian and Muslim so that they will fight each other to the death and destroy a nation from within, that there'll be a perpetual war going on. This is both ends to the middle. This is the Ouroboros. This is how the whole plan has worked from the beginning. And it's not biblical. It's not revelation. It's mocking God. It's using revelation as a way to mock God and to show God, truly, your children are so dumb that they are following us instead of you. That is literally it. And so it's time that people really lean into this and say, look, enough is enough, and say no. That means we have to reach out to communities we're not comfortable with. I can't stand these comments that keep coming up, and I see them regularly all over the web. Islam is going to destroy Christianity. They're here on a war. Well, they're being as played as anybody, and when we do that, we play into it. We have got to be greater than this problem and start reaching out to build bridges, overcoming this hatred and start getting into the foundations of peace and love. 
Because otherwise, we are going to see a self-destruction that we've never imagined before. Our role right now is truly to be the apostles, the emissaries, the priests of our time, to step into the authorities that God gave us and do the hardest thing we've ever had to do. That's called engagement. And I've said this before, that's my primary role. What was my primary role in Afghanistan? Engagement. To lean in, to meet with people of different makes and models. <laughs> I guess that's the only way you can say it. There are some crazy people you've sat, you sit down with sometimes. But at the end of the day, you can usually find a conversation with most. And we've got to start talking about what the bigger problem is, how this manipulation is going, and let us start coming to the middle to find common ground. It's critical. It happens in our communities. It happens with your liberal neighbor versus your conservative neighbor across the street. We have to be outside of the political nonsense. We can't be wrapped up in the middle trying to cut each other's throats. We have to be the leaders of our community that show the way forward that says, look, let me show you what's going on. Let me explain to you the bigger picture. Let me pray with you. Let me break bread with you. That's what God would want us to do, and that's how we get through this for victory. Sitting on the side, complaining about your neighbor because of the way they walk, dress, talk, believe, whatever, it's not getting us to the core of one of the primary commandments Jesus gave us, which is to love thy neighbor. And there's a lot of very difficult discussions we're going to have to have. And guarantee you, we'll bring a lot of them here and on the various shows. But the point is that that doesn't mean hatred. That means challenge, question, uncover, tear apart, look deep within. Come to a place of understanding that we are greater than the problem because we have been given the authorities. We have the wisdom that comes through the Holy Spirit. We have the ability to walk into our world. And if you can't have the difficult discussions and hang in there, you're the problem. Difficult discussions are the place to be. It's up to the point. And there's going to be some hard lines. And it's going to shake people. And just to FYI, just so I give you this little sidebar, when you're talking to somebody and you start to feel like you're, the, you're uneasy about something, don't start pointing the finger at them first. Point the finger back at you and figure out what inside of you isn't resonating. That is a good engagement strategy. Because we have to start listening differently, listening deeply and understanding the core root of these problems. We have to get to the root. There is so much programming and propagandizing that has happened in this culture that includes in the temples of what we call churches, in the walls of what we call cemetery, I mean seminary. That was actually in a Freudian slip, but obviously had good purpose. This is all here. It's in the walls of Wall Street where people believe that the only worship is money and God and power. They're exploiting other people's wealth. I mean, this is literally the problems we have. And if we don't start getting down to some real core values of what it is to be American, to define that, what it is to be a melting pot, to define that, what it is that our founding fathers saw as a vision for this nation based on Christian values, we don't start detaching from this nonsense that's going on in the Middle East, trying to take sides on a side when you have both sides that are being played by the same people. A war that's being engineered so that one group looks like they're evil and the other group looks like they're good, depending on what side of the field you stand on, so that they bring the world to an inevitable clash. That isn't our business. We step back on that and we pray, for, pray into these people. We pray for that they will all find Jesus and at the end of the day that truth will rise up and that their evil will be exposed. But the fact of the matter is that that war is manipulated by the same people that are manipulating this global event and its intention to draw people in. We don't need pulpits advertising and promoting the support of Israel at the expense of everybody else. 
because that government is as satanic as the ones Hamas that were saying is bad. Dig into it. See who they really are. Understand who they are. Because this is the problem we have. All governments in the world have been hijacked. And they're being run by an international cabal, a satanic international cabal that loves kids in the worst kind of way. Kids are their commodity and they're their power. We are fighting at a core value for one primary thing, the children. And from that, we reestablish the root of what? Rebuilding the families. And if there's one thing that can change this world, I can talk news to you all day long. I can list, and we will. And I can talk Constitution, Declaration of Independence, Bill of Rights. I can talk the concepts of common law. How are we going to get back our land? All of that. But the common root that has to change, has to be rebuilt from the very bottom up, is the structure of the family, our relationships with God, and what that means to walk with God in our homes, to rebuild the strength of the family, unlimited, growing at large, and start to rebuild the kingdom through our homes. That's the core issue. And when we can grab that and understand that and understand the power of what we possess within our walls of our homes, we literally can control this world. But until that point, we are just, we are just part of the puppeteering that's going on and we're just actors on a stage. And the puppet masters are having a great time. Those strings need to be cut. Patriots, let's pray. Father God, we just come to you today humbled and blessed and just asking today for a prayer of mercy for this nation and mercy for the nations across the globe. We have allowed so much of this to go on on our watch. We have allowed the trafficking of children because we've turned a blind eye because we're more concerned about material things and the value of this and the sanctity of of the little ones. We've allowed the destruction of the elderly, because we're too willing to cast them out of our homes and pass that responsibility off to someone else to have them die alone with their knowledge stripped from us. And we've left ourselves vulnerable for an enemy to come in and prey upon us, to manipulate us as we outsource our children to public schools, expecting good to be done while the enemy knows very well it's seeding the ideas of deceit and hatred for you. That's on us, Lord. That's on us. So in this hour, we pray for mercy. We pray for discernment on our own behalf, but we pray for mercy for this nation, Father. And we pray for the rising up of the warrior heart to stand up now in this hour to be bold and to be clear and to be focused, to understand that we are dealing with a vicious enemy, an enemy that works in the spiritual and the physical, that uses children as their center of power, worship, exploitation, pain, suffering, All these things, they use children because they get closest to you, Father. So forgive us. Forgive us. And allow us now an hour where we can start to see the rise of the mightiness and the power of the men and women of the Most High. Those children of God that have the strength and authority to stand into this hour and say, no more, send me, Lord, send me. Bless us and guide us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Not a game. This is not a game. It's a serious hour, and there is no guarantee. There's nobody coming to save us. Our process here, and that always runs raw with people because they're going to be like, well, when Jesus comes back, when Jesus comes back, I don't know. What I do know is Jesus died on the cross to give us victory, and my role is to help victory come into this world until he stands by my side and tells me to stop. 
And that's where we fight from. We fight from victory into this world, take on this evil and destroy it because it's doing horrific things. And at the core of it is the targeting and exploitation of our children. That has to end. It has to end now. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to 
show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.